everybody. It's me, Kathleen Madigan. Welcome to Madigan's Pubcast. You grab yourself a drink, pull up a bar stool, let's talk about what's been going on. Termites! Welcome back! It's episode 18! Isn't it crazy that this has gone on this long? I think it is. Somebody got mad because I didn't open the show with the Dolly quote, so I I take full criticism on that. And then the reason I didn't do it, I was conscious of it last time, is because I had all the Dolly updates. But I will not spare you a Dolly quote. This is pocket wisdom. When I talk to a man, I can always tell what he's thinking by where he's looking. If he's looking at my eyes, he's looking for intelligence. If he's looking for wisdom, wait, if he's looking at my mouth, he's looking for wisdom. If he's looking anywhere else except my chest, he's looking for another man. Oh, deep. She's saying he's gay. (laughs) Paddles, catch up. This show has just started and you're a beat behind. Get it. Listen again. When I talk to a man, I can always tell what he's thinking about where he's looking. If he's looking at my eyes, he's looking for intelligence. If he's looking at my mouth, he's looking for wisdom. If he's looking anywhere else except my chest, he's looking for another man. Except I said that. All right. What are we drinking? Well, we have a little beer back here in my what? Emo's Pizza from St. Louis, my favorite pizza in the whole world. And I know some people hate it. You love it or you hate it. But it's cut in squares, which I like. And it has weird cheeses on it. You have to try it once in your life. Um, And then I have a Bloody Mary here as my real drink made with what? Check this out. Drug this all the way back from Ireland. Sausage tree Irish vodka. And first of all, I love their bottles. Second of all, I love that it says, Nature has no place for the weak. That's exactly right. Because you don't think of the Irish with vodka. Not really. I don't. It doesn't, you know, you think of, I don't know, I think of the Russians. Is what I think of. And it was made in the, the Shed Distillery from Shanbo. County Leantrum, Ireland. So that's the vodka that's in my little spicy Bloody Mary. And um, we have a lot of stuff this week. There's a lot. Most importantly, I bet you didn't know these existed. This is in my shit gas station food, bad for you food. Oh, shoot. My parents had a review of the McDonald's apple fritter. I forgot. I think they said take it home and heat it up. I'll have to look for next week. But anyway... Um, yeah, they went up there because it was like a dollar or free They're or something. I, the, anywhere they go, they wait, do you know the Wendy's? They know everything for a dollar. Maybe when I have them on, if I have them on, if they'll agree to it, uh, I'll make them tell me everything they know they can get for a dollar. Um, or where you can steal food. My mother steals a lot of food from casino buffets. She, she chicken, a lot of chicken. Um, Hershey Kisses sugar cookie for Christmas. These taste like sugar cookies, so they say. I haven't tasted one yet. Maybe I'll do it right now, and I'll tell you guys if it actually tastes like sugar cookies. I've never seen these before, but I saw them in Walgreens. By the way, the Walgreens by my house has a big sign out front. We do not have the COVID vaccine. Clearly, enough people walked in there going, Hey, you guys got the thing? And they went, No. Fuck off. And then they had to put a sign out to tell the idiots in advance. Oh, well, that, I'm not a sweet person. I'm more about salt and vinegar. Holy shit. 
Well, I haven't drank the Bloody Mary yet. I just, it's just, just like a, oh, Christ. That was awful. It was like a whole, I mean, if you like sugar, that's your thing. It's like a whole bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios and one piece of candy. And I love Honey Nut Cheerios, but, oh, my God. I think that just rotted out my new implant. Holy shit. Sorry, guys, I won't be eating anything more on this show. But these look good. Oreo gingerbread! Come on! Get in the Christmas spirit! These, I guarantee you, are awesome. And I think they only make them. It's a limited edition. That's what Nabisco says. Gingerbread flavored cookie. Flavored. Cream with crunchy salt crisp sugar crystals. I wish it was salt. That's what I was thinking. Sugar. And these, I just thought, were fun for the holidays. Because they're Cheetos, but they're in snowflake figures. What? White cheddar. Delicious. There's no way you can go wrong with these. I promise you that. Oh, my God. I'm still getting over that. Holy shit. Remind me not to do that again. All right. Wow. Guess what? My four idols, my four queens have been very busy. Not all of them. Tanya's been laying a little low. Haven't heard anything out of her. Probably just drinking on her farm, riding her horses backwards. Um, Cher, this is why you need more than one idol. You need, you need a few because they all are good for different things. What do I always say? Who would I follow to the end of the earth and listen to the most? Dolly. Second, Cher. Third, Stevie, just because she's a little hippified for me. You know, witches and dreams. Love it, but it ain't really my speed. And Tanya, questionable. That's like going out with Ron White. You have to think hard before you leave. Do I have an exit strategy? What if we end up in Mexico on a donkey for no reason? That's how I view Tanya. Fun, but, you know, a little more impulsive than I would ever be. So here's what has happened this week. Cher actually went to Cambodia. Well, first to, I'm going to read it to you about it, to save this elephant. Now, I mean... On the list of things to do, that wouldn't enter my world, but it entered her world. Somebody's got to do it, right? So that's why you count on Cher to be the weird one. Hey, you, do you have any ideas? Yeah, there's a lonely elephant in Pakistan. <sighs> the world's lonely elephant. Loneliest elephant has a new lunch companion. Cher was seen feeding Kavan, a 9,000-pound Asian elephant, Wednesday after she fought for resettlement to his new home in northern Cambodia from a dilapidated zoo in Pakistan. Kavan had suffered from mental illness, mental health issues following the loss of his partner, Sahili, who died in 2012. Well, fuck, that was eight years ago. Nobody's helped it since then. The elephant, oh, had been observed throwing its head from side to side, which is a sign of boredom and misery. I would agree with that. If you ever see me doing this, then that's probably not boredom and misery, but I don't know. With an elephant, apparently it is. Uh, Pakistan's high court in May ordered the closure of the zoo due to its poor conditions and neglect. Kavan's plight earned him the moniker of the world's loneliest elephant and ga- gained him the support of celebrities such as Cher, who traveled to Cambodia this week to greet him. Wow. I thought long and hard about going out into COVID, but Kavan's freedom was a promise made. On my site, I say stand and be counted or sit and be nothing. We all stood and we were counted, and Kavan will be free. The singer wrote on Twitter. She wrote a lot of other stuff on Twitter, too. Um, she campaigned for two years to get Kavan out. I mean, good for her. 
Like, she actually did something. It's more than I've done during COVID. I didn't free an elephant. I didn't know there was a lonely elephant, but even if I had, I can't say that I would have done that. I also don't have the money to get a private jet to fly to wherever, but she does, and she made good use of it, you know? It's not like she's flying to the Champs-Élysées to buy a fucking pillow or something. Go for her. <laughs> um, it, she started a Twitter campaign. Uh, I just want to see. She finally got there. She So she did. I don't know if she went to Pakistan or if she met, she met him in Cambodia. Oh, this article is way longer than I thought. Anyway. Oh, she serenaded him, too. That's on Twitter, too. You can watch her singing to Kavan. So he got a private concert. So that's pretty cool. Good for Cher. Nice to see my idols out doing nice things. Whether or not <laughs> things that I would be doing, no. But that's why we're all different. Now, this is, a, this is not necessarily a good update. Where's Stevie? Stevie Nicks. Has sold a majority of her publishing catalog to publisher and talent management company Primary Wave. The company announced on Friday, with the Fleetwood Mac star become one of the highest profile artists to capitalize on the boom on song publishing acquisition market to date. Primary Wave didn't share the financial details, but the Wall Street Journal reported that Nick sold she sold eighty percent of stake in the catalog, valuing the deal at about a hundred million. Why? Don't do it. I'm going to start a GoFundMe for Stevie being stupid. <laughs> not, not stupid, but the, the, the money, name one that's ever gone well. Taylor Swift is still hollering her about this thing with this guy Scooter Braun about selling her rights to her shit. And then people try to re-record. I, the, the Paul McCartney regretted it since the day. Don't, this stuff will always make money. Why Stevie has no kids. Um, I mean, nieces and nephews or whatever, I get it. But they, you could give them the money that's made off the catalog. I don't understand selling it. You're putting in a finite end to 80% of that income. Why? I know she's not broke. I mean, at least that's what they portray. She doesn't seem like she needs any money. I don't understand it. Because now that there's all these streaming systems, it's complicated and I hate business, but it's not the same as, oh, I sold a record and that's it. There, all these things bring in money. Sounded, you know, the the what Spotify, Pandora, blah 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 blah. Wow, I just think that's a terrible error. And then they go on and on about how great Stevie is. Well, of course they're happy to do it. They have this this other guy. He had acquired catalogs from artist Jack Antonoff. I don't know who that is. Richie Sambora. Well, Richie Sambora is not Stevie Nicks. What are you thinking, Stevie? Nay, nay, nay. I just think, why put an end to an endless money stream? I don't, unless, what do you, what do you, she, what is she, 72? Why would you do that? Even if you donate the money to a charity, you should have donated the, the catalog to the charity. Then they just keep making money. I'm going to start a GoFundMe. To it's called Wake Up Stevie. Tell her don't sign, unless she already did. But I don't think it's a good idea, and I'm not a good business person. That so I should preface the whole thing with that. I'm a shitty business person because I can't pay attention that long in meetings. La, 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 la. But 
I know this is not, I don't think it's a great idea unless you need the money. Moving on. Update. Keith Ranieri. Who's Keith? Leader of the cult. <sighs> Nick's VM, sex cult leader, Keith Ranieri, says he's as good as dead when he's transferred to prison, according to a report. Once again, the narcissist is inflating his self-importance. I don't really think there's a bunch of people in a prison that are going to know who this little tiny man is, and I don't think they're going to sh- give a shit, but he thinks he's world famous, even in prisons. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. He was sentenced to 120 years in prison last month for running the sex slave cult. And he can be heard in recordings from this year talking about how dangerous being placed in the general population of maximum security prison could be for him. Oh, now he wants a private room. Fuck off. I don't think so, shawty. You're going back with everybody. Um, well, with these charges, and if I'm sentenced to life and go to a penitentiary, it is a death penalty. Well, you know, start boxing in the yard. Like the movies, you get toughened up, little pudgy thing. This was a he gave a message to his followers. Ranieri, who was being housed in Brooklyn's Federal Metro Detention Center, started expressing worry about his safety in March when he talked about how a vicious man told various people he was put as much money as necessary, literally hundreds of millions of dollars, to have me put in jail for the rest of my life, to have me killed, to have me destroyed, to have me whatever. The worst thing you can imagine, the blog reported Ranieri saying. Um, there are rumors that members of the Latin Kings and the MS-13 gangs would kill Ranieri if they got the chance. What the, the what? Well, he did bring some Mexican girls over the border, so maybe the Latin Kings are mad about that. Apparently some of the slaves he had were Mexican, from Mexico. Though it's unclear that these rumors were spreading or how he came to hear from them. Yeah, I think he made it all up. He's, he's grandiose. He's a complete narcissist. This is the shit they do. They sit around and they think they're so important. I can't think of anything else to say, but remember these things have to move quickly because, you know, I can get designated soon and then I'll be out of here. And that's a dangerous situation for me, meaning leaving the detention center to go to the penitentiary. He echoed the same sentiment in a recording from November 21st. (sighs) He's just whining. That'll be the last you hear of him. Unless he does get killed in prison. And maybe, maybe he will. I doubt it, though. I don't think he's all that famous. To those, to the that kind of group of people are sitting around watching this shit. <sighs> Guess what else, termites? It's Hallmark movie time. <laughs> now I know many people secretly watch Hallmark movies, and now there's a, there's not just Hall- now Netflix has Christmas movies, but it's the Christmas movie time. I don't know what Hallmark does the rest of the year. I have no idea, but I know at Hallmark at Christmas time. Because my parents started watching them and kind of making fun of them. And then I started watching them, making fun of them. And now we all watch them. Hallmark, that's the first one, the generic one. Then there's another channel, Hallmark Murders and Mysteries. They're a little loosey-goosey in that one. They can drink alcohol and kiss. Regular Hallmark, we're not really having much of that going on. Murders and Mysteries, a little more raunchy. But not compared to real life, but compared to the Hallmark Channel. And then there's um, Lifetime has some Christmas movies, too. Those are pretty good. Bigger budgets, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And Netflix, uh, I haven't watched enough to really comment. But this is what I love. If you watch any Hallmark movie, the messages are 99% the same. And they really have strong opinions about these things. And I wrote my little list. Here's... 
I have my things that are bad, things that are good. I'll start with bad. Here's things that are terrible. Cities. Just any city. Terrible. You know what's good? A small goddamn town. You get your ass to a small town, and then you will act right and be normal. Cities clearly make people unhappy and crazy and lonely. That's what a city does. You know what else is bad? Divorced people. There's all these single people running around these movies, but nobody's a divorced guy or woman. You know what's good? Widows. Widowees? What's the other word? I don't know. Widowers. Widows and widowers. Thank you. Battles. They like people whose spouses are dead. They do not like people who came to a light and said, I married the wrong person and I'm getting divorced. No. We'll have none of that shit. Bad? High finance jobs. They hate anybody in, quote, high finance. I don't even know what that means compared to what? Low finance? <laughs> like, my brother's a financial advisor. Is it high or low? Medium? Because he's in a medium, he's in Columbia, Missouri. Is that a medium finance? Maybe He's got a lot of clients that have a lot of money, so I'd say Pat's probably a high finance guy. But he is in a medium town, and he's not divorced, so he's doing pretty good on the list. High finance jobs, bad. Good local jobs where you make no goddamn money, but you are there. You are there making cookies in your bakery or you're making toys in the local toy shop, which doesn't even exist. They just fantasize. It's all about like 1950. I don't even know. I'd have to ask my mom. Here's something else that's bad. Highways. Nope. Not having any of that. They like Main Street. You just stay on that one street Everything you need is on that street, and don't be bitching. If it's not on that street, you didn't need it. How about that? You know what else is bad? New trucks. Good old trucks. Every widow, widower, is that a man? Okay, every widower that pulls up an old truck, you know this is going to be the guy. And if the man's name is Nick or Chris, pay super special attention Cause that's probably Santa Claus and it doesn't even have to look like him. Just always keep an eye out for Nick or Chris in a small town. Who's a widower with a local job. Cause he quit his high finance job. So you could just take this and make a movie. Nick, he's in a small town. He's a widower. He has a local job. He has an old truck. Great. So far we have a winning script here. Maybe I'll write one for next year if I have time, but try to make mine funny. And I don't know if they would go for that. They're never funny. These movies are never funny. Um, here's what's also bad. New friends. You don't need any new friends in your life ever. Nope. You know what you have old? You have old friends and family. Family first. Even if you hate them. Even if you hate them. And they're never going to show that. They all like their siblings and they like everybody. You know what else is bad? Starbucks. Any kind of chain coffee. You go to local coffee even if the line is 20 people long, you're going to meet friends in that line. New friends that you won't keep because that'd be bad. Go to Nick's Coffee. Nick's Coffee because that's where probably Santa Claus lives. It also, this is my pet peeve in these movies. Now, if you watch these movies, if you don't, just skip over this segment. Just hit fast forward. It won't be that much longer. But if you do, this is my biggest pet peeve. And this would be, um, I can't think of the name of what they call those people. Uh 
props, I guess. When you're making a movie, the department, the prop department, everybody who gets a cup of coffee at the local coffee shop from the widower named Nick, there's never coffee in it. One lady came out with a tray of four and she was just flinging them around like, like they're, they're so obviously empty. I don't know how anyone, just because when you do get a cup of coffee, A, it's hot. Usually it should be. Well, they, they all get cocoa. So, so ridiculous. Who, what adult drinks cocoa? Do you want to go for a cocoa? I would look at somebody like they just escaped a mental institution. <laughs> cocoa? What the, I mean, maybe if we were in Iceland, I don't know where, I haven't had cocoa since I was nine, and I don't intend on having cocoa ever again as long as I'm on this earth, I don't think. Not because I necessarily need alcohol, but coffee or Baileys. Hot Baileys is cocoa. Yeah, yeah it's great. That's exactly right. That's my next thing, but that's my pet peeve. Notice it if you're watching the Hallmark movies. Their coffees are always empty, and they always just take a big swig, right? Like, they wouldn't even be hot enough that you'd go, yeah, I'm just going to give this a minute. Nope, they just... Flinging empty coffee cups around. Uh, here's what's bad. Alcohol. Good. Cocoa. Here's what else is bad. Any kind of development, meaning condos. Condos make people what? Sad and alone. You know what's good? Farms. <laughs> like, we could all just go get a farm. Well, hey, look, I just found a million dollars. Maybe I'll go buy a farm. Also, what's good? Primarily, white people. They really, really like white people. Now, some of the channels are getting better with mixing it up and having, there's some black families and a couple Asians, but they always put the Asians in the wackadoodle role. That's, I do feel bad for the Asians. I think they're getting the worst of this, the worst of the casting, where they're just like, the goofy, wacky friend, or I don't know, the crazy, agent. the what? The agent. Yeah, if an agent has to fly in, because sometimes there's country singers and actors that don't get the roles. And um, that's my list so far. If you guys want a YouTube comment on more, I'm going to keep going with the list till we write our own script. These are just the things I've noticed in the week that I've been watching so far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what else is good? This, one, this is the other thing that drives me crazy about these movies. So if you watch them, the women, not the men, the women have like, let's say they go away for a weekend, you know, oh, they got a mystery invitation to Snowflake Inn and they get to Snowflake Inn and all of a sudden the lady has seven coats. A, for the weekend, but B, in your life. Like, yes, I have probably five total coats, but like one is a nice coat that you you know, go out, out. And then there's just my regular coat and then different weighted, but these are all fancy, like long red. Then she has a green one. Who the fuck would go? You know what? I'm going to go away for the weekend. So I'm going to need a separate suitcase for seven coats, seven winter coats. It's just another pet peeve. Here's just a sad note, especially for all you gas station people, food people like myself, never even knew this man's name. Lon Adams, who developed the recipe for Slim Jim Jerky, dies of COVID. <sighs> Lon Adams, known for de developing the recipe for Slim Jim Jerky, has died from complications of COVID-19 on Saturday. His funeral, his funeral home confirmed. He was 95. Yeah. He invented the Slim Jim in 1928, and he's, he's credited with developing more, the more current Slim Jim formula. Um... Yeah, 
That's I didn't even know there was a man. I never since 1928. I love Slim Jims. I don't need the flavored ones. I just want the original. Greg Warren, the comedian, makes fun of me because there will always be one in my purse. He's like, that shit's going to kill you, Madigan. That shit's going to kill Maybe. Maybe it will. But I, I don't. Don't you trust this man? Here's his picture. I don't think this man would want to kill me. I don't eat him every day. Lon looks so happy. And he lived to 95. I bet he ate him. He worked for Good Mark Food for many, many years, eventually retiring as a principal scientist, his obituary stated. Yeah. Oh, he went to the Battle of the Bulge. He got injured in 1945 because he served in World War II. What a great American. People say there's no heroes anymore. There's my hero. Lon Adams went right to war, Battle of the Bulge. Wow, he got a master's degree in microbiology from Iowa State University and a Midwest guy. Good for him. His real name was Alonzo. There we go. One of my favorite segments, courtesy of who? Lewis Black, a research assistant. Animals that will kill you state by state. We already did our first ones. We're moving on. This one surprised me. This is a surpriser. Arkansas and Idaho. What's going to kill you when you leave your house? What animal? What do you think? You have a guess, Paddles. Arkansas and Idaho. A cat? Like a house cat? Like a big cat. Wrong. There's no... No. There's no cats. Razorback. Well... That's a good guess, a razorback, wild hog in Arkansas, but those aren't in Idaho. You have to think of what's in both. Serial killers. Serial killers, they are animals, yes, but that's not it. The answer is bears. What? Yep. Listed by the (laughs) seat. In the Ozark Mountains in Arkansas, they're in southern Missouri too. There's bears everywhere. There's tons of bears. No. No. They're like the ones in the Bass Pro Shop where they're only as tall as me. Exactly. And I think if that thing attacked me, I'd just go into a boxing match with it. It's yeah. only, well, some of them are shorter. They're like four foot tall, the ones that are stuffed in Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> and I think I could take that thing out. Like in my mind, I'm so tough, but I would really just shit my pants and run away and lay down and go, don't, don't, don't. But in my mind, I'd be like, bam, 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 bam. I think I could do it, but I know I can't. It's just a fantasy that if it, if it stood up on its hind legs, I'd be like, bitch, you're only four foot tall. I am scrappy. Listed by the CDC as a state where large animals are responsible for most of the animal-related deaths in Arkansas. These could be cougar attacks, see, bear encounters, or deer collisions with vehicles, but the most likely offender is the black bear. But not, but just like the majority of animals in the region, it would prefer to avoid humans instead of fighting them. This is true also for Idaho. But this state has an additional bear, the grizzly. Yeah. And they're more aggressive than the black bear with reports of them actually attacking humans. So Arkansas, you don't have to worry about the grizzly bear. You have the black bear. And then in Idaho, you have both. California. Idaho, I think they think about bears. Yeah, they do. Arkansas, only if you're going up in the mountains. Then you have to think about it. I would think about it. I think about it in the Ozark Mountains. California. Do you have a guess? Shark. Good guess. Thanks. It's not it. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I would. I. I don't know if I would have guessed this. It would have been my top three though. California, the thing most likely to kill you if you leave your house. Several species of rattlesnakes. 
In California, approximately 228 individuals are bitten by annually by venomous snakes, but the statistics, statistics reveal that less than 1% of the bites inflicted are fatal, mainly due to the anti-venom being available. The Mojave, Western, Back Diamond, Western Diamondback, and Sidewinder are some of the most common rattlesnakes in California. Regrettably, every one that needs the anti-venom does not receive it in time. So there you go. And you know what's weird is in California, people think they're not in the city part. That's bullshit because I had an agent once, a nice guy named Rick, whose kid was just out in their regular backyard in the valley. For those of you who know, that would be on the other side of the hill in, on sunset. And just regular houses, just regular houses. And his kid was out in the backyard playing with something and got bitten by a baby rattlesnake. It was I didn't even know. I thought they were more like up in the mountains and the canyons, but apparently they're everywhere. Well, now this one, this isn't funny, but I put it on Twitter because, and then I didn't really get much backlash. I don't like to really talk about sports per se because everybody gets so opinionated and people get, it's worse than politics. People go, don't talk about politics. Don't talk about sports with people you don't know because they just go crazy. I do not like Chris Collinsworth as a broadcaster. I don't even really like Al Michaels. And apparently there's pages, there's whole Facebook pages dedicated to how much, who people like less, which there's no reason to say. And Al Michaels is like 178. I just can't stand the way he says bull. They got the bull on the night. And and it's like the two of them just seem like old school guys that I wouldn't have anything in common with. And they seem, I don't know, jock douchey. Well, not Al. I don't think my favorite sports caster is Greg Gumbel by a million. And I like Mike Tirico. And I like Troy Aikman. I think he does a fine job. And Tony Romo. Um, But Collinsworth. So this is what he said this week. And if you don't, he, he, he's NBC. He works for NBC. He used to play for the Bengals. This is how much I didn't even. He really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was a, he was a wide receiver for the Bengals. He's tall. Um, he was pretty good. I mean, he was fine. I, from what I remember, it was a long time ago, a hundred years ago. During Wednesday's Pittsburgh Steelers win over the Baltimore Ravens, Collinsworth talked play by play with announcer Mike Tirico about conversations he had with Steeler fans before the game. He revealed that he was blown away, quote, blown away to learn that women are knowledgeable about football. I mean, what fucking century do you live in? There's women on his program that he throws it to. Yeah. Michelle Lafo- Latifoy or Latifoy, I never can say her last name right. Uh, there, there's, yeah, there, there's women on the show he's on that have been on the show forever and ever and ever and know everything about football. And then he said, everybody's a fan, Colin Moore said, in particular the ladies I met, they have really specific questions about the game. I'm just like, wow, blown away. Aaron Andrews, yeah, she's great. Yeah. So, you know, when people are like, oh, all the the women got offended. No, no, the women were not offended. It just shows me that you are the jack douche that I thought you were. That's what you think of women, that we don't know anything about football. Like, I guess his wife doesn't know anything about football or her friends or maybe, I don't even know if he had a, has a wife. I just made that up. Any woman he knows doesn't know anything about football apparently, or he wouldn't be completely shocked. I mean, all of my 
all of my friends know about football. That's why our fantasy league. Now, fantasy's different. <laughs> Speaking of that, Kathy, the one that I talk about, called and said, why does it say bye next to my game this week? Because I said, because it means goodbye. Because we're in the playoffs. And she's like, is that why I can't add people? Yeah, you didn't make the playoffs. Now, that's different because she understands real football because she's the Saints fan lady. And Dory understands the Eagles. And Lewis's team is dominating, which makes me semi-sick to my stomach. Um, but they know football. Fantasy's different because that's a whole new thing to learn on an app and all this. But it's just he's just, he's that guy. And everybody knows that guy. My brother's wife knows more about football than probably half of the people playing on the Eagles team right now. I think Ellie could take over as coach. Um, It's just, it doesn't offend. It's just like, this is who you are. You're that dude. It's disappointing that those dudes are still out there. That's what's disappointing. When there's so many dudes that aren't out, that aren't like that. And then these are the guys that say stuff. And then... Half the, you know, I don't put that on all the guys at all either, though. It's just, it's him. I mean, Al Michaels, I would expect because he's probably 75. But my dad would know that we all know. About, he, my dad would never say something like that because he knows it because I beat him in the pool almost every week. Well, no, he's actually ahead of me, I think, in the rankings in the family pool. So anyway, he apologized. You can't, that's the thing. You don't even need to apologize. There's no apology necessary. You are who you are. Be who you are. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that agree with him. Like, wow, chicks don't know shit. Okay, then you guys be in that group. And then if you could wear a shirt that says I'm in that group, that'd be great. Because then I don't ever want to have a beer with you. Great. (laughs) Moving on. This is kind of an update. Woman nearly loses her arm in a tiger attack at Carol Baskin's Big Cat Rescue. Now, I don't even understand why these places are legal, especially if you're a neighbor, because these things get out. And then there was a tiger for a month loose in Knoxville. I kept following it on Twitter, and they never found it. I don't know if it was made. It didn't seem made up. They kept saying there were tiger sightings. I don't know whose tiger. Maybe it went home. Maybe it got hungry. But this is what I'm talking about. Like, these things get out. They hurt people. A volunteer, again, Carol Baskin. And if you saw Tiger King, come on. And then she went on Dancing with the Stars. I don't watch Dancing with the Stars, but apparently she went on it. I don't know how she did. But this lady, everybody thinks, murdered her husband, which I would agree with. Carol Baskin went on Dancing with the Stars? Yeah. What? Yes, Petals. Oh, I gotta Google that. Google it. See, how, see what week she got kicked out. See how far she made it. Yeah, she doesn't really look in shape for dancing. No. All of her people at this this big cat rescue place, and all the ninety percent of this shit, anything that's super weird, you can usually just go where 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 in Florida did that happen? Florida, it's got a lot going on, good and bad. Well, a lot of people think she. If you watch Tiger King, that she killed her first. I don't know if it was the first husband, a husband, a billionaire, a millionaire guy. Um. And then all the people she has working at the sanctuary are volunteers. So she didn't even pay people. She's charging money to get in. The whole thing is a racket, racket, racket. And I don't believe that the animals are, it doesn't look right. Like my friend Kevin Fitzgerald, comedian and veterinarian. Perhaps you saw him on um, the Discovery Channel on Animal ER Vets. ER Vets? Yeah, it's called ER Vets. 
he's like a hippie guy, totally awesome, smart. Like Kevin should be in charge of these cats if they've been discarded and stuff. You have a place where Kevin is like the the in charge person, not Carol. Carol has no qualifications to be doing any of this shit. The happened attack happened around eight a.m. Uh, in Tampa. Uh, the woman who's volunteered for the organization for five years was grabbed by a tiger while reaching her arm into its cage during feeding time. Okay, probably not the smartest thing. Something officials with the nonprofit said is against protocol. Protocol? It should be against, it should be impossible. There should be giant locks and then feeding time, ichnay on the arms in the cage. It shouldn't be protocol is more like, here's some rules we'd like you to follow. That's how I view, that's how I view protocol. Protocol is you put two forks on the left at a fancy dinner, blah, blah. I've learned that from Hallmark movies. I've learned in the fake Prince of Aldovia, how you're supposed to eat with all the silverware in front of you. It's against our protocols for anyone to stick any part of their body into a cage with a cat in it. Okay, that's pretty simple. Big Cat Rescue wrote in a statement, Kimba grabbed her arm and nearly tore it off at the shoulder. Baskin, CEO of Big Cat Rescue in Tampa, said in an email to the AP volunteer that the AP volunteer Candy Cooser, 69 years old, was feeding a three-year-old male tiger named Kimba when she noticed the animal was not in his usual location. Okay, well, then that's when I quit being a volunteer. The fucking tiger's somewhere weird. This is not good. Baskin said Cooser opened the gate that had been clipped shut, but she reached in to unclip it. This is our universal signal not to open the gate without assistance, Baskin said. It is against our protocols for anyone to stick any part of their body into a cage with a cat. Kim would grab by her. She was taken to a hospital for a series of, uh, for treatment of serious injuries after staff and other big volunteer cat rescues st- sought to stop the bleeding. Her arm was broken in three places and her, sh- this isn't funny, but come on. She's 69 and her shoulder was badly injured, but she was able to move her fingers. How was it? Wow. Surgery was scheduled for later that day. Kimba, who was brought to the center from a small circus, will be placed in quarantine for the next 30 days. Well, we're all in quarantine. Welcome to the crowd, Kimba. How you likey, huh? How you likey. But Baskin said the tiger was just acting normal due to the presence of food and, uh, and the opportunity. Baskin said Cooser did not want Kimber to suffer any consequences for the incident. And Baskin said the tiger's vaccinations, including for rabies, were up to date. You believe this lady? Yeah, you don't have rabies. Here's the good news. Your arm isn't attached, but you don't have rabies. How about that? Uh, according to a TV station, another worker heard the attack and came running as the tiger dropped its grip. A nurse and another bystander used a belt as a tourniquet to help control the bleeding until an ambulance arrived 15 to 20 minutes later. She was taken to the hospital. Yeah, Baskin became famous from the Netflix show Tiger King, which sparked new interest in decades-old disappearance of her former millionaire husband, Don Lewis. She also appeared on Dancing with the Stars. Here's the thing about her, probably, in my opinion, murdering Don Lewis. My dad always used to say, no body, no case. I mean, the mob says that, too. It's not like my dad made that up, but there's no body. She said Don left. Don got an airplane. Don flew away. Don never came home. And people think she fed him to alligators. I I don't doubt any of that. 
maybe she grinded him up and fed him. Apparently there was a big meat grinder. He could have put him there. Nobody, no case. As long as she cannot tell anybody else and keep straight faced, she'll get away with it. Because there's nothing you can do if there's no body. No proof. Only circumstantial evidence, and there's not a lot from what I heard. At least from what I watched. Or dancing with the stars. Dance with Circle of Life from the Lion King. She did the Circle of Life from the Lion King as her Dancing with the Stars dance? Yeah, dance. dressed as a tiger. Dressed as a tiger. <laughs> she should have done it with one arm. Then she would have won. If she could have taped the other arm behind her back and acted like she only had one arm. Was she really a contestant? Paddle's going to put that in the show notes. A lot of you don't like where this mic is positioned, so I'm trying to see. What is what is the difference? See my face? See my face? Who cares, right? Airlines, this is a big deal. <laughs> Not for most, well, I guess for everybody, but it's more of a big deal for frequent flyers and, and um, people who are a little emotionally over the edge. That's a nice way to put it. The U.S. Department of Transportation is a big deal. We'll no longer consider consider emotional support animals as service animals under a new rule announced Wednesday, allowing airlines to limit the types of animals that fly for free. So if you're going to pay for them, you could probably still fly whatever you want, but it has to go in the cargo thing. It's about bringing crazy shit on the plane, Okay. And I'm torn about this because sometimes I fly so much I'm bored, shitless, and I think it'd be awesome if somebody brought a pot-bellied pig on the plane just for entertainment. But I can also see where this has gotten so ridiculous and because I used to, when I lived in Los Angeles, flying out of LAX, it's so crowded, the amount of crazy shit people would show up with and go, it's my emotional support animal. And it literally would run through my brain. Somebody's got to get a grip on this shit. Like, it's getting crazy. I was behind a lady who had two gerbils. No, ma'am. No, we can't. You can't. But the the airlines couldn't say that if they, and then I'm like, well, where are their capes? (laughs) The support cape for a gerbil. You'd have to, like, sew a cape like that big. But I also know a shitload of people in L.A. I'm not going to mention names that have gotten emotional support capes for animals that it's bullshit. They just want to bring their dog on the plane. And the, the cape is bullshit. It's a fake cape. It's a real cape because the vet wrote a thing, but they just paid him or whatever. I don't know. And I'm all about any dog being on the plane. Big dog. Even cat. They, what are the cats about? Well, I don't know. People have allergies to cats, I guess. Um, that could be bad if somebody had an allergy. I don't, but I, so I don't care. I've sat next to cats. No problem with it. And I'd rather sit next to a dog than people. Seriously, like if somebody put a beagle in the seat next to me, I'd never leave that flight. Not until the beagle left. Me and the beagle will fight. No matter what it did, even if it's shit in its own seat, I'll clean it up. It's fine. <laughs> in a revision, this is a big deal because pe- th- some of the animal people can be tough, tough ca- cookies to deal with. In a revision to its Air Carrier Access Act, the DOT, Department of Transportation, defines a service animal as a dog, regardless of breed or type, that is individually trained to work or perform tasks for the benefit of a qualified individual with a disability. My friends who had these capes, they did not have disabilities. It was all bullshit. Airlines are not required to recognize emotional support animals as service animals 
and may treat them as pets, it stated. The revision follows efforts by airlines to crack down on travelers abusing emotional support animal policies. Exactly. Most service animals are dogs, although miniature horses, hamsters, pigs, and even peacocks have flown as emotional support animals. I remember the lady on the news showing up with the peacock. Now, on one hand, I'm interested. On the other hand, should it be allowed? No. You just, you can't. You can't do this shit. I mean, a miniature horse? What if it takes a dump? I mean, a hamster is a rodent, I think. Pigs, they can be real friendly. Ah. Or not. Or not. Well, I'm going to tell you about one that wasn't. Mer- Airlines for America, America, the trade association, estimated that the number of passengers flying with emotional support animals in 2018 increased by 14%, following a 60% increase the year before. Yeah, because people have realized if I get the cape, I can take it on the plane. The rise has also accompanied a sharp increase in incidents caused by an- animals from biting to defecation, said the group. So they're shitting on the airplanes. I'm sure. So that's a pleasant flight. If you sat next to the miniature horse who took a dump in 12 C. I'm going to tell you about some of the animals though. Um, Then they just go on and on. Passenger can still travel with pets under the pet carrier policy, which typically costs $125 each way to carry on a small pet. The final, so it has to stay in the cage under the, they can, um, Oh, they can also require that the animals be harnessed at all times in the airport and on the aircraft. The final rule was was informed by 15,000 public comments and concerns raised by people with disabilities, airlines, flight attendants, airports, blah, blah, blah. It will go into 30 days after it's published by the Federal Register. The date has not been set yet. So if you have a peacock you want to fly, you can you can still do that. But you better hurry up because they're changing all the rules. Take it over Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, take it out for Christmas as your spouse. Tell your, tell your family that'd be a good Hallmark movie. I married a peacock. Mm-hmm. Here's some shit people have flown just because it made me laugh. There was a turkey called Easter that made its way onto a flight. Owner Jody Smalley found the animal shivering on the side of the road when it was a chick. She explained, Easter came to me as a tiny poult at an emotional difficult time in my life in a mentally abusive and failing marriage. A different turkey was spotted at an airport in San Francisco. The emotional support animal was paving through by a woman who lost her husband. She claims she even sleeps with it at night. A kangaroo. Okay. I'd want to see that. Fuck yeah, I'd want that on my plane. That This one, kangaroos have been spotted more than once. Oh, it's in a little sleeper bed. It's adorable. See, this is why I can't be in charge, because I'd only pick cute shit. No, you're not bringing the bird. Yes, you can bring the kangaroo. Um, uh, even a kangaroo made its onto a Twitter user Dev posted a picture of her mom with the animal. She wrote, "My mom, when my mom has a kangaroo on her flight, is an emotional support animal. Isn't the first of a baby kangaroo squirrels? Lewis would have a heart attack. Lewis is terrified of squirrels. You've never seen anything so funny to see a full grown man. Like one time, Lou and I were golfing." And when you golf, there's 18 holes. And when you get to the ninth hole, at the end of the ninth hole, there's usually what they call a halfway house where it's got like hot dogs and potato chips. And so if you want something to drink or eat, it's halfway through your golf round. It's for you non-golfers. So there's usually a lot of squirrels around there because they know there's food. Well, we had parked the cart and I had gotten two hot dogs, 
two bags of Lay's potato chips came with it for free. And I came out and I didn't stop it because I wanted him to see it. And the squirrels were literally in our seats with the Lay's bags. I think I had opened them, but they were eating chips like humans, like each. He goes, get away from the cart. They're rabid. Get away from the cart. I go, Lou, they're not rabid. They just eat chips. And we, I was dumb enough to leave them there. And he said, get new hot dogs. I said, I am fucking not buying new hot dogs. They didn't touch the hot dogs. How do you know that? How do you know that? <sighs> this lady was allowed. She had to leave. They said leave with the squirrel because they're classified as rodents, which are banned on most U.S. flights. Passengers were forced to be deplane as she refused to get off. Okay. As much as I have to fly for work, if we all can't leave because some jack straw won't get off with a fucking score, oh, I would be livid. A passenger with anxiety brought a beach hog called Hamlet. (laughs) A beach hog. I don't even know what that is. A beach hog. The animal belongs to 28-year-old Megan Peabody, and, and she wanted to make the flight more comfortable. His adventures has resulted in his own Instagram page. Here's a picture of him in a cockpit. That's Hamlet. Yeah, can you see that? That's him in a cockpit. They let him up there to look at the controls. A different emotional support pig had less luck. He was kicked off a flight. A 70-pound animal was removed from the plane after it became, quote, out of control and disruptive. I would have liked to have seen that. Wow. Passenger. Hamsters? Nope. This is crazy. A woman tried to bring an emotional support hamster on her flight. Belen Alda something claimed she was told it wasn't allowed on the plate. Instead, she was told it should be flushed down the toilet, which she did after being scared it wouldn't she wouldn't be able to board. You didn't love that hamsters that much. Flush it down the toilet? I mean, at least let it out. Give it a chance to live. Emotional support rooster? There was somebody brought a rooster. Jesus Christ. And then there's the peacock at the end. Dexter the peacock was turned away when after, after the passenger was warned on a number of occasions. She was still trying to get it on the plane. And then there's monkeys. Gizmo the monkey? No, I'd say no to monkeys because they bite. And I've seen the movie Monkey Shines. We've talked about Monkey Shines. And they throw things. They throw sh- stuff. Shit, they throw shit. Richard the bonnet monkey? Is an emotional support monkey for agoraphobia. I can never say that right. His owner, Debbie, is allowed to take him on planes to help her when she becomes panicked. What? Mm-hmm. They said he remained calm most of the flight. So there you go, folks. New rules. If you've missed the era of being, people bringing crazy shit on planes, I'm sorry. I never got to see, like, a pig or... And I flew every week. Let's see, one, two... Probably four connections a week, and I never. I just saw the lot of dogs that I knew was bullshit because some of them are my friends, and I know they're lying. And um, this is um, this is the mark of 2020. This little story. This is true, and nobody needs to see this. And you don't need to hear about this in 2020. But I'm going to tell you this: earlier this month, we're still on the animal train here. Denmark ordered all farmed mink to be culled after finding that 12 people had been infected by a mutant strain of the virus that causes COVID-19, which passed from humans to mink and back to humans. Some 17 million mink were gassed and buried in the trenches in a military zone in western Denmark. The bodies were burned under two meters of soil, 
but hundreds started to rise to the surface. Zombie mix! Yeah. They buried them, and then they started coming back. Have you ever seen a mink? It looks like a ferret. Looks like a larger, chubbier ferret, if you had to say. On Friday, Denmark's minister for agriculture suggested that one solution would be exhuming and burning the mink, but that would need the approval of the county's environmental agency. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, a video of the failed killing went viral in Denmark. So you can find a video of it with footage showing a lone living mink wriggling in a box full of other dead animals. The Danish fur industry directly supports 5,500 jobs. So we need, they're making fur coats, mink coats. Spain and the Netherlands have also called mink herds due to the, it's very hard to say herd when the animal's like 12 inches high. I don't think of that as a herd. I think of cattle. You know, did you see my herd of squirrel? Doesn't even make sense. Did you see my mink herd? They can fit in the kitchen. All of them. My whole herd. Because it's Christmas and we have a Christmas story. This is important. This is really important. And I don't like science. So if I'm talking about science stuff, you have to understand that it's really um, affects us because that's my problem with science. It's too, it's not tangible enough for me, but this is tangible. The two, this is Jupiter. And this is all in the Hallmark idea of this. I don't know why Hallmark hasn't, I'm actually going to buy a telescope. I'm not spending a lot, no more than $200. I'm going to go on Amazon because I want to see that. Now I don't know what kind of telescope I can get for 200, but it's, I'm only going to need it once. That's true. I have binoculars. Um, Jupiter and Saturn to align in the sky this month as the Christmas star. Two, the two largest planets in the solar system, Jupiter and Saturn, have fascinated astronomers for hundreds of years. But the two gas giants will do something next month, not seen since the Middle Ages. They will look like a double planet. This was... Yeah, this was published on December 3rd, so it's, it's coming up. The rare occurrence, mark your calendars, will happen after sunset on December 21st, 2020, the start of the winter solstice. Alignments between these two planets are rare, occurring once every 20 years or so, but this conjunction is exceptionally rare because of how close the planets will appear to one another. Uh, Rice University astronomer, Patrick Hardigan, look at that, a nice Irishman becoming that smart and educated, good for you, Hardigan. Um, You'd have to go all the way back to just before dawn on March 4th, 1226, to see a closer alignment between these objects visible in the night sky. That's a lot. Far away. That's a lot of years away. Between December 16th and the 25th, the two planets will be separated by less than a full moon, Hardigan added. On the evening of the closest approach, on December 21st, they will look like a double planet separated by only one-fifth the diameter of the full moon. For most telescope viewers, I will have the cheapest one Amazon's offering. We'll see how... I'm only going to use it once, so what am I... Maybe I could buy a really expensive one and just mail it back. I'm sure they'll catch on to that. I know, I'm not going to mail it. I won't mail it anyway. That's why I don't like buying online. I don't like returning shit. 
For most telescope viewers, each planet and several of their large moons will be visible in the same field of viewing that evening. Back in 1614, German astronomer Johannes Kepler suggested a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn may, listen to this, Paddles, may be what was referred to as the Star of Bethlehem in the Nativity story. See, that's a Christmas. See, 2020 was terrible, but look what, look what the baby Jesus is doing. We're going to get a Christmas star. Um, while others have suggested that the three wise men could have been a triple conjunction of Jupiter, Saturn, and Venus. Get it? The three wise men? But it is unknown if the Christmas star was a real astronomical event like a planetary conjunction or a comet. This month's celestial event can be observed anywhere on Earth, but Hardigan noticed the farther north someone is, the less time they have to catch a glimpse. NASA says the conjunction will appear spectacular spectacular with a backyard telescope or even with the naked eye. So you don't even have to go on Amazon. You don't have to buy anything. You'll be able to see it. I don't know where to look though. Up. Up. I know, but I don't know stars. I never under, I failed it every time. I would just go big dipper. No. <laughs> eh, wrong. Stargazers should try to see the event next month or you're going to risk waiting a long time for the next one. They won't be this close again until March 15th. 2080. And after that, sometime in the year 2400. I mean, it hasn't happened in 800 years. So this is, I I don't even care about science, but this is pretty cool. So mark your calendars. I will remind you. I'll keep this up here to remind ourselves. December 21st. Y'all got that? You write that down. Put a little note for yourself. Put this aside so I don't throw it out. I don't want to catch that on fire. Speaking of Christmas, this is another exciting thing in the Christmas spirit. I should have probably saved some of this till we're closer to Christmas, but it's December. Well, this could be cool, but this is another, I don't know. I really like the idea of archaeology, and I would have liked to have been an archaeologist, but A, that involves a lot of science. science. Yeah, so as soon as they say science, eh, gone i'm out well this could be cool but this is another i don't know i really like the idea of archaeology and i would have liked to have been an archaeologist but a that involves a lot of science Science. yeah so as soon as they say science eh, gone i'm out um because i'd be very good with the digging i like to dig for stuff and i would do it delicately i'm in no hurry i like that they're never in a hurry it could take them like 17 years to dig one hole and they're cool with that. I'd be fine with that. The location of the home where Jesus, Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth when Jesus was a child may have just been discovered by Professor Ken Dark of the University of Reading in England. According to research Dark wrote about in his recently published book, The Sisters of Nazareth Covenant. 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 Convent, convent, sorry. Yeah, whew, I know. Whew, try to get to a test having this brain. Covenant, coven, coven. I like that you went with coven. Coven, which is the opposite of convent. Right. The Sisters of the Nazareth Convent, a Roman period Byzantine and Crusader site in central Nazareth, which is available, blah, blah, blah. That's the book he wrote. I can't even read the title of the book he wrote. It's so hard. He spent more than a decade studying the first century ruins that are underneath a modern-day convent, said this was the spot 
was first suggested as the home of Jesus and his family in the 19th century, but the archaeologists in the 1930s did not find that idea credible. However, he was intrigued, and he launched a project to explore the site 14 years ago. I didn't go to Nazareth to find the house of Jesus. I was actually doing a study of this history's, city's histories as a Byzantine Christian pilgrimage center. Well, Ken, I'd have gone to look for Jesus' house. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that much about the Christian p- Christian pilgrimage center. That's like saying I found the community center of South St. Louis. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Compared to saying I found Lewis and Clark's grave or something. Daniel Boone's boyhood home. That's a Missouri comparison to Nazareth. I know, that was a bit of a stretch. Um, see, if I was going to go through this, I would. he did exactly what I wouldn't do. I would go to find the house of Jesus. Cha-ching! Nobody could have been more surprised than me, he said. I didn't evacuate the Sisters of Nazareth site. I did a new survey of the site and a study of archives and objects from the decade of previous excavations and recorded already excavated evidence re-exposed where there was work on the ba-ba-ba-ba. I certainly haven't said this was a house of Jesus, just that the structure probably believed by Christians from the 4th century at the latest to be that house, and there's no archaeological reason why that identification is necessarily impossible. Okay, well, see, you can't say that, Ken. You can't say, look, I found a place. But maybe not. But, yeah, maybe it ain't his house, but it's just like his house. But the way the article reads, but it is pretty cool. There's a lot of boring stuff I won't bore you with. Um, but he's, he's saying, I'm not saying it is the house of Jesus, but it's just like the house of Jesus. So that would work for me if I was on a tour. And they said, look, it's like saying here's a log cabin that Daniel Boone lived in. They all aren't, exa- maybe not exactly his cabin, but you get the idea of how his life was by going in. I would go in, I'd pay. If they said, look, this is a house, we don't know that it's Jesus's, but this is pretty much what his crib looked like. And by crib, I mean house. Not his actual crib. <laughs> I know. He told the BBC that his work revealed that the building was carved into the rock of a hillside and the original house was built by someone who was a master at stoneworking. Joseph was called a tecton in the Bible, Really? Never knew that. But as a Catholic, I've never read the Bible. Which was an ancient word for craftsman or carpenter. And it would have made sense that he could have carved the stone. Could have. Here we go again. It's like when they find a skeleton in a ditch and they go, well, he must have been super rich because he had a ring on. Maybe he stole that ring. Did you ever think about that? They, they, are, quick to, they are quick to make up stories about what happened to some people, I think, or homes. But again, it's still very cool the guy did it. And even if it wasn't the actual home, I'd still want to see it. Uh, let's see if there's anything else in here. that um, The possibility of dating the building remains with certainty was impeded. Uh, oh, the possibility of dating the building remains with certainty was impeded by the fact that the site was dug in the late 19th century and early 20th centuries by the resident nuns and not as a scientific excavation. Well, of course not. They're nuns. What do you, what do you think? They're also scientific archaeologists. I mean, preventing a reliable affiliation of the pottery remains essential for dating with, with the specific building remains. Thus, where the cave is Roman by style, the building remains could possibly be earlier or even later. So, or or later, it's anything. It's (laughs) unlikely that the simple Jewish village population lived in a house on top or underneath a Jewish burial cave. 
In order to determine the accurate dating of the building, dating of the domestic building remains, it would be necessary to carry out a new scientific evacuation in the nearby vicinity. Well, let's get on it. Do it. Speaking to CBS News, the guy said he understood while there's not much evidence to support his theory. Oh, fuck. But the headline of the story, see, this is where I'm a sucker, but this was not written by a bunch of idiots. This is the Jerusalem Post. And it said, have archaeologists found Jesus' childhood home in Nazareth? It's by no means a conclusive case. On one hand, we can put forward a totally plausible case that this was Jesus' childhood home. But on the other hand, actually proving that is beyond the scope of evidence. It's It's debatable whether it would ever be possible to prove that. Okay, so... It's uh, it's possible, though. I, You know what? Do what the Irish do. Just say it is. You know how many, do you know how many places I've been in Ireland where they say, this is where St. Patrick visited every Thursday? You're like, really? St. Patrick was here every Thursday? Because that'd be crazy. Because everywhere I go, somebody says that St. Patrick was there every Thursday or Friday or Saturday. Just, you know, just go with it. It's close enough to leave you oh my god too little quick update because i didn't say it out loud if you guys want um remember we talked about the canadians that were murdered the shermans barry and honey if anybody ever said my name was honey i'd be like we're gonna have to have a meeting about that <laughs> no i'm not gonna be called honey barry and honey sherman um there's a book i've ordered it i haven't read it it's on its way called billionaire murders so if you want to read about that. And then I listened to a, po- a, pubcast, a podcast called On Crime Junkie about the murder. It's pretty good. Didn't tell me a lot I didn't know, but if you don't know more than I've told you and you're interested, Crime Junkie, it's two women. I don't know their names. They do the uh, podcast and the episode is Barry and Honey Sherman. So I listened to it while I was cleaning my closet. Okay. This is kind of cool. A new documentary and I don't even know that I uh, the documentary series is called Secrets of the Dead, Gangster's Gold. I had no idea that this was going on or I would have wanted to try. A new documentary is set to reveal the journey of treasure hunters who are racing to find the buried fortune of a New York City gangster who was gunned down before revealing the location of his loot, which is now valued at $150 million. Notorious Bronx-based bootlegger Arthur, quote, Dutch Schultz, Flegenheimer. Yeah. This is where like Dutch Schultz, like they always had their, if I was going to be a crime person from the early 1900s, I would have gone with baby shoe Madigan just because I'd want to hear that old timey guy go. And another bank has been robbed on the South side of Chicago with notorious gangster baby shoe Madigan. And the reason you would know it was me is because I would leave one little baby shoe untied at the scene of all my crimes. (laughs) Creepy. Creepy as shit, right? People would be like, oh, it's the baby show. Oh, no. I wouldn't murder people, but I'd put just a little little thing of like dirt or something on the baby shoe's tie. Oh my God. Yeah. Not that I did anything to a baby, but my nickname is Baby Shoe Madigan. That means I was there. And the dirt on the shoe would. Just imply. It's used. Baby shoe was out. Baby shoe was. This is. Maybe I'd leave a brand new baby shoe. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Which kind of baby? I know what I want. I want the one-year-old walker shoe when you learn how to walk. Those shoes. With the sole. 
No, they're just all white. Yeah. yeah, and they're tight on your ankles when you're little. A walker shoe. Or making a new shoe, and then you're charitable. Well, you have to have a pair. You can't just leave one. What kid needs one new shoe? I can't just... Same size, two crimes. So the second crime, a baby will be happy because it got new walking shoes from who? Baby Shoe Madigan has struck again on the south side of Chicago. I love the way those guys read the news back then. Um, this guy, Dutch Schultz Flagenheimer, is believed to have stashed away money, World War II, World War I Liberty bonds, and jewels that were valued at $7 million in 1935. It's now valued around $150 million. Are Liberty bonds, can you still cash those in? Would those still be... Yeah. Paddles. <laughs> yeah. We're going to Google that for the next one. I don't think if you have a World War I Liberty bond, yeah. it, would it even survive the weather on October? Safety deposit box, Safety deposit box buried. Yeah. You, gotta, you should see a picture of this guy, Arthur Dutch Schultz Flagenheimer. He's got a cig hanging out of his mouth. He looks like a gangsta. Um, on October 23rd, 1935, Schultz was gunned down at the Palace Chop House in Newark, New Jersey by hitman Charles the Bug Workman and Emmanuel Mindy Wise. Baby Shoe Madigan was not in attendance. According to the documentary, he died a day later, 1935, without revealing the exact... Um, oh, shoot. I lost a page. Um, anyway... So the documentary follows Canadian treasure hunters Steve Zezelik and Ryan Fizikes. I said that wrong, I'm sure. Who, I'm sure they're not listening, who believe they are close to recovering the hidden treasures, which may be hidden in the Catskills town of Phoenicia. Well, now I have done comedy in the Catskills. If I'd have known there was a town, I'd have tried. While these two aren't the only two searching for the loot, they are believed to be the best equipped to do to private investigator Bruce... Alterman, he told the New York Post that Alterman is the key person. Alterman claimed that his grandfather told him stories about Schultz. Alterman also found a 1939 article in Collier's Magazine in which Schultz's former lawyers described a two-by-three-foot steel box. There you go. Paddles, there's your safety deposit box. With diamonds, gold coins, and $1,000 bills. I didn't know we had those. I've never gotten one. Do we have them? Thousand dollar bills? I thought hundreds were the top. Is there a five hundred dollar bill? I don't even know. No, I don't think so. Bruce is a privy to a lot. Bruce is privy to a lot of information that you would not mention to very many people. Bruce threaded the story together with timeline details on how far Schultz and his gang traveled and the roads they took. With information from Alterman, the treasure hunters believe that the treasure is buried in a wooded area alongside Stony Clove Creek in Phoenicia. Using modern technology, the group's hopes to uncover the missing treasure. So far, they've discovered only two coins dating back to 1903 near the creek. According to the Post, Mark Schimmel, the pieces valued around $950 each. All right. Well, that's okay. Phoenicia sounds like a Hallmark. Phoenicia? No, that doesn't sound like a Hallmark set. It's always innocuous. It's Springfield. Columbia. Well, the king of Phoenicia. Aldovia is the fake nation. I like it when they make up nations. Just Aldovia. That's one in a real horror movie. 
Schultz was a prohibition gangster born to German Jewish parents on the Lower East Side of New York in 1902. The family grew up in poverty like many immigrant families at the time, began as a life of crime by joining a youth gang. He eventually became known as the beer baron of the Bronx, blah, 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 blah. Just a criminal. We don't need to go through all that. Um, And then, so that's it. So it's going to be on PBS, Secrets of the Dead. Now I want to go watch this. I'm going to go watch this. Secrets of the Dead. Gangsters Gold premieres on PBS Wednesday at 10. But I also don't like it when I watch these whole things and then they don't find shit except a coin and go, well, you know, we tried. Like, I want I want a show where they find it. Can somebody do that while we're in quarantine? Why not? You can go out in the woods, go look for shit. Now's a good time. What else do you have to do? All right. We're going to save the dollar store stuff for next week. Dollar Tree, Dollar Store, Dollar General, Family Dollar. There's so much shit. I'm going to tell you that now you will look at those stores entirely differently. Not necessarily for the better. Are your parents coming on too? I don't know. Here's a question for you. You guys can YouTube comment. Let's say I can corral Jack and Vicky, my parents, to do this. I find them to be funniest when um, I just let them go. So maybe I'll just ask them 20 random questions. They can't comment on these stories because they won't, she can't, she, no, that just, there won't be enough focus. It'll go up. He won't understand what I'm doing. Do people listen to their shit? That's, I don't need to be heckled by them. So let's try to format, I'm thinking like questions, like 20 questions, and then they just let them answer and ramble. Not serious things, because then he can get too maudlin, and then she can get um, disconnected. Good setup. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that might be that be interesting. It's interesting. Trust me. Um, she'll just go. Why are you asking me this shit? Anyway, I don't know. We're gonna save the Dollar Tree. That's I love this information. I have to reread it too because some of it you're just like, what? Fuck. Um, okay, termites, it's time for some football. It's a Sunday morning when I'm recording this, truth be told. That's why I had to blame Mary. And it's time um, I taped a bunch of the games because I paid for the. Um, because I know Chris Collinsworth would find this shocking that I paid for the NFL package. What? There are women paying for football. Yep. And guess what else, Chris? I'm part of DraftKings. I'm actually gambling on That's a whole nother world, probably. God damn. The casino is so open. disappointing. There's so many guys that are cooler than that. And that's, you know, I didn't realize, honestly, what people thought of Chris Collinsworth. I don't really think that much. It just annoys me on Monday, on my, when Al Michaels goes, the bull, because I think he's overdoing the accent just to be whatever. I don't know. I mean, an accent's one thing, but the bull. Um, I feel like Chris Collinsworth, he's exactly what I thought he was. And it's just too bad because there's so many dudes that aren't that in shock that women know. My mom wins the football pool half the time. She wins March Madness all the time. I mean, it's just it just shows me who are you hanging out with that you don't know that? Like other bangles. Other bangles. <laughs> <laughs> He's hanging out with other douchey jockeys. And then there's there's all kinds of football players that are totally 
cool when you see him interviewed, and I don't think they would say things like that. It's just he's a bad representative for, and he's not that old. Al Michaels is old. What's Al Michaels? He's got to be going on 80. Here, I'll ask the giggle machine. I'd say Al Michaels is 76 at least. How old is Al Michaels? 76. I say Chris Collinsworth is 50. How old is he? Six, Chris Collinsworth is 61? Yeah. No, that's still not old enough to act like that. Chris Collinsworth, bad. Greg Gumbel, good. Greg Gumbel is the best. Yes. Greg Gumbel. Um, you know, what's weird is Lewis and I were talking about, this is a few years ago, um, talking about sport. Oh, this is a great little, I forgot this one. This is just a feel-good thing. Ready for your feel-good thing, termites, before I put you to bed? This is it. Julia Stewart, who worked as a waitress at IHOP when she was at 16 years old, worked her way up through various jobs to become president of Applebee's. After being passed over for CEO, she returned to IHOP, became CEO, and later acquired Applebee's. <laughs> way to go, Julia Stewart! And she watches football. And she, football. <laughs> and she plays fantasy football. And wow, she asks questions. God. You know, there's no need for Chris Collinsworth to apologize. This is where people go, cancel culture. There's no cancel culture. It doesn't exist. There's consequence culture. You want to say stupid shit if, if you're being paid by someone else, and if that person who pays you decided that what you said was so goddamn stupid that they're going to lose money, they have the right to cancel you. And, and just, boom, that's your consequence. You got fired. Now, do I think Chris should be fired for this? No. Did he just show us who he is? Yeah. There's not even a reason to apologize. That's like saying I, I'm apologizing, I don't know, for being whatever. You, you, you come to the table as who you are. You, just, you should think about it. I don't even need an apology. It wasn't offensive. It's just dis- it's disappointing that there's dudes out there like that, but whatever. I'm sure there's women that would be fine with that. Um, disappointing. Maybe, maybe wake up, Chris. Maybe go to um, Buffalo Wild Wings, where there's women in the jerseys of the team. There, maybe I could introduce you to my sister-in-law. Oh, no. Yeah, Ellie, tear him a new asshole for all that kind of bullshit. She knows everything about the Eagles and every other team, as a matter of fact. But mostly the Eagles. She's an Eagles fan. Um. All right, termites. A lot of you have commented on flannel sheets. Most of you say yes. Somebody had the greatest idea, bottom flannel sheet, not a top sheet. Regular top sheet, bottom flannel. Good idea. Compromise in case you get too hot. Right? It's a great idea. Somebody put that on the YouTube comments. And somebody's listening in Denmark. Can't believe that. That's pretty awesome. There were a couple people from, uh, like, uh, internationally. And I sometimes I think my stories are a little too all-Americana. Just because they're happening here. It's not that I want to focus on America, but yeah, it's the shit I read. Um, so thank you for the international people. Oh, and I forgot. Oh, the Pubcast t-shirts have arrived. And now look, I, this is a special note to the chubbies out there. The Storytime t-shirt, I didn't get enough of the two and the three times. I got yelled at a lot. So I had to order more. Now this time I have, and now the larges are sold out. And now I'm, I got a lot of t- two and three times. So I'm expecting everybody who got chubby in quarantine to step it up. But look how great. I just washed my, I don't have it on because it wasn't totally. It's wet. It's wet. <laughs> but there it is. How cool is that? And then the back, boom, there you go. 
So you can go on um, my website, get yourself a T-shirt. <sighs> All right, termites, pull your sheets up, whatever kind they are. Tuck yourself in. You're a worthy termite. You're a determined termite sometimes. <laughs> I'm not. Who's kidding? I'm not motivated. But I would dig a hole for 17 years if they promised me there was Jesus' house was under it or something cool. Um. Tuck yourself in. It's getting cold. It's really cold up in New York. I was talking to Lewis. It's getting very cold. And there's nor'easters up in New England. So brr, brr. The Midwest, eh, we're hanging right about 50. Not that bad. Not yet. And that's it. You ready? Night, night, turbine.